Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM 90 and is recorded at AC's Washington Street campus. It is a spectacular book. I wished I had never read it so I could go back and experience it (laughs) again for the first time. It is amazing. And I've been sitting here trying to rack my brains for what I should talk about. That's the one. That that is (laughs) the one. Everyone needs to read it. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Welcome to Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart, and we are in the studio with our, uh, the winners. The Winner's Circle is the name of this episode because uh, this group got together for the Great American Read uh, series that we had last year. We had a trivia night for Check Me Out and uh, Tigar, and these are our winners. So we're going to start right over here. Tell me who you are, a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm Ivy Gowdy. I'm a former English teacher at Tascosa, and currently I'm the curriculum specialist at Fannin Middle School. I'm Karen Schrader. I'm the English department chair at Tascosa High School, and I teach senior English and senior AP English. And I'm Richard McGowan. I'm the Tascosa librarian. I'm Andy Parlow, and I teach ESL at Tascosa High School. All right, thanks for being here. Tell me what your name was again. Your team name? Tequila Mockingbird. Oh, that's right. <laughs> How did y'all pick your team? I mean, obviously you all know each other and work Andy together. Andy did it. Andy yeah? Did it. yeah. Andy was like, who's the dream team? Well, like I sat there and I thought, okay, if we're going to do this for real, I'm like, Karen reads a lot of classics and she knows all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. she also really likes Outlander. And so I was like, okay. And that was on the list. Yeah. And then I know Ivy and I read a lot of contemporary novels. And then I knew that Richard was just well-read around. So I was like, that that's it. That's who we need. So <laughs> let's delve a little bit more into that. What are your favorite type of books? Ivy, we'll start with you. Like, what do you gravitate towards to, or do you just try to read a little bit of everything? Well, since I taught middle school and then high school, and now I'm back in a middle school, I really gravitate toward young adult literature, um, be, just because I always want to have a title in mind for that student who's searching for their next read. Mostly that student who said, I've never read a book in my life, I'm not ever going to read, and you can't make me. And I'll say, wait, I have something that you might like. So I just read as much as I can in the young adult genre uh, to try to match those books with kids. And I know you, and I know you have kids. So I'm sure that helps oh, yeah. too. They they influence a lot of my choices as well. So mm-hmm. they, they're bringing me titles and we're sharing books. And in fact, right now, my, my 13-year-old, who's kind of a reluctant re- reader, she's just discovered Harry Potter. I mean, she's known Harry Potter, but she's just discovered reading it. And so I'm reading that, rereading that with her just so that we can talk about it and discuss it. And it, that's been pretty fun. Karen, what about you? I'm more of a historical fiction reader, mostly, um, but I do delve in fantasy and science fiction as well. My, you know, I read the entire Game of Thrones, and I'm patiently waiting for him to finish that sixth book I've heard so that I can from see how different people. it is from yeah. the series, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because I know it's going to be so very different, mm-hmm. but uh, that... That's that's my passion is historical fiction. I'm a minor in history, a major in English, so that makes sense. And and we had, um, you know, you were talking about Outlander. We <laughs> were talking about that a lot during our last season of the podcast because it was on because the Great American Read list. And it was on the Great American. Yeah, right. and we never could find like the expert. Outlander person, Here we am. should have called Here I you. Am. Just call. <laughs> yeah. Because we needed you to talk about the, you know, why it was on the list. Because we were wondering, like, 
and I think because of the show, it, it gained a lot of popularity. But It did, and it, it's kind of an interesting series of books. She started writing that series to see if she could write a book. She is a biology major. She was a professor, professor at University of Arizona and just thought, you know, hey, I'd like to write a book. So she started researching, started writing, sent it in, didn't think they would publish it. And they were like, oh, this is great. You should publish this. And so she published it. And then she found that she really liked the characters. And there is so much history in those books. That's why I think it's on the list. I mean, it's just fabulous. It takes the history of Scotland. It brings it into the history of the United States. And her characters are just so well-developed, and they're real people. You can see yourself in those situations. So so you identify, even though, yes, it's time travel. Yes, it's romance. But there's so much history surrounding it that you go, oh, that makes sense now. And do you watch the series as well? I have watched most of the series. It's been a little graphic in parts. You know, you can skip those parts easier when you're reading a book <laughs> on the TV. It's like, oh, especially if you have a daughter or someone right. else around. That can be embarrassing. <laughs> right. um, but I've, I've watched most of them, and they're a fair adaptation as far as TV adaptations go. They, they stay true to the spirit of the characters. Mm-hmm. It's hard to condense that much into How many books are in the series? There are eight so far. Okay. So. And she's still writing. And she's still writing. Okay. Yeah. And she's been working on the last one for probably six years now so she so her and george extensively her and george are at the same writing they're at the same pace (laughs) do this right Right. are you done yet today are you done yeah (laughs) okay then i'm good did you throw in a little incest with that okay good (laughs) me too yeah yeah yeah. gotcha (laughs) richard how about you uh well first i want to say to karen i think you may be waiting a while my own personal opinion is what rush does George R. R. Martin have to write the next book? That's true. I mean, really, I, I think that my wife and I were just talking about this after Sunday night's episode. Does he really have any impetus to, to finish writing the series? Everyone knows what happens. So how many people are going to want to pick up the books? I think fewer now. Uh, so I, I wonder if you're going to be getting that anytime soon. For me, I think in order to do my job... I have to be well-read in all areas. I I used to be a big science fiction fan, but now I gravitate personally more toward nonfiction a little bit. But uh, I think in order to be able to answer questions from any student that comes into the library, I have to dabble a little bit in every area, although I will tell you I do not read romance novels. What? Outlander? Did you you go with Outlander? You know, it's funny that y'all ask that because I was walking through our bedroom one night I had gone back to the back to do something. I was walking through the bedroom. And I looked up the TV, and I was like, "Oh my God, what are you watching?" <laughs> and my wife had to tell me what it was. But no, I have not read the books. How long have you been a librarian? Uh, I think this is year eighteen of librarian. It may be nineteen. I can't remember. I was a uh, classroom teacher before I was a librarian. I was a, a seventh grade math teacher for quite a while, and then I taught third grade for just one small year. So, Karen, did you have something to say about George R.R. R. Martin? What gave you that idea? <laughs> Just because I tried to rip the microphone out of your hands and away. He doesn't have impetus for those people who just watch the television adaptation. But for those of us who have read the entire series, we know that what he has in mind is not where those scriptwriters went, even though I'm sure he collaborated with them, and and it stays somewhat true. I know that there are so many more tangent stories and so many more subplots that that he has to finish and develop that 
I need answers on. So I, he has to write this. Well, yeah, because in the books, it's my understanding that like the the wolves are a bigger deal than they are in the show. Like, oh, they're a much bigger deal. And in the books, Caitlin Stark, who died in the very first series, comes back to life. She's you know she's reincarnated and she has a big part. And we don't ever see her again on the television show. So. She's got a point because in Games Out, and I'm not going to give spoilers because I haven't seen it, but I have talked to a couple people and I read, you know, the the arc in the in the comic books, and it's nothing like the comic books at this point. I know, but you have such a big fan base that is watching this series on yeah. TV that I think you stand to alienate a lot of people if you go and decide, oh, look, I'm going to write this, and it's not going to be Arya that does a certain part of the story. Major spoiler there for just a second. By uh, the time this airs, it will probably be now. so far over that everybody's going to know everything. <laughs> everybody will have re-watched the entire series by then. So. Yeah, um, I just caught myself right there. But, but I mean, I, I do think that you stand to alienate a lot of fans of the series if you change anything. So do you think there's a larger fan base for TV than there is from the books? Because I think... You alienate a bigger fan base if you don't write the end of the book that you know is there. I think you say this as a bibliophile. I think maybe, (laughs) yes, that there is a larger number of people watching this TV series than there are picking up and reading the books. An interesting fact, years ago, and I mean a long time ago, I was still teaching at Bonham, so it's been, I mean, 20 plus years. I read book one, and I thought, hmm, okay, yeah, that was... That was okay. If I ever get to book two, maybe I'll read it. And I never did until the series started. I think there are many more people that read, I mean, that that watch than read the series. Touching on that, you prefer to read like fantasy, sci-fi, that kind of genre, right? I do. So what didn't appeal to you when you read those the first time? I don't know that that's the correct way to describe it. I didn't dislike it. But with a series that I love, when book two comes out, I'm automatically at the bookstore or I'm lucky enough in my, my job that if I want a book, I can make sure it's at the, the library right when, I, when it's available. I will read that right away. That was not the case at all with Game of Thrones. I did not end up ever getting to the book uh, during all of the time between reading the first one and the second. I mean, the series starting. Uh, it just was not... I, I don't know that I can pinpoint anything. I just thought it was okay. Well, I guess I could speak to that. I do have two friends who are avid readers who also didn't either finish the first book or get to anything further in the series, and their complaint was, I just can't keep reading when he's going to kill off all the characters I like. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. I can see your point. Which is what people say about watching the show even. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't get attached to anybody because nope. they're going to die. Well, that was me. I read the first book, and uh, I read it about... I don't know, six months before the series started. And then it started and I watched it and I just, I didn't have any motivation to continue. I don't know. I mean, and I'm usually such a stickler. Like I won't let myself watch something if there's a book. Like that's my golden rule. I always make myself read it first. Um, And then it usually ends up ruining the movie or the show because I'm like, oh, well that's wrong and that's wrong. And I don't like what they did there. Ready Player One. Yes. Mm -hmm. That, oh, that hurt my heart. Ivy really hated Ready Player One. I couldn't do it. Yeah. We watched it together (laughs) and and you saw my face the whole time. No, no. She was was 
physically angry at the okay. TV. <laughs> but did she throw the TV across the I think she I would have if she was closer to it. And <laughs> and if we weren't in a uh, rental beach house <laughs> yeah. at the time, <laughs> okay, we would have had. Yeah. So, Andy, tell yeah. us about what you like to read. I like everything except nonfiction. I'm not a nonfiction reader. Um and Richard tries to change that a lot by like, here, read this. <laughs> but I, I can count probably on one hand how many nonfiction books I've ever read that I like. I mean, Seabiscuit was really good, stuff like that. Um, I really like young adult books. I, I feel like the young adult genre right now is just, and it has been for probably the last, I would say, eight years, way better than a lot of the adult fiction books that are coming out. And and, you know, graphic novels are something I really like, not just because my kids like them, but just I just think there's a lot of really cool, creative stuff going on in the graphic novel genre right now. So, Well, you and Ivy have both loaned me books recently mm-hmm. that were YA and um, on the prose side or poetry or things like that, something yeah. that I typically would never read. And they are super powerful, and they they're saying things in a matter of, 50 pages that are blowing away an entire novel. Yeah. So oh, it's become one of my new favorite genres to recommend to kids or novels in verse um, because they can read it quickly. They feel accomplished that they've read a whole book and it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. When I went to a conference um, recently, Jason Reynolds was there and he was speaking and, and something that just really stuck with me that he said, he said, you know, why when you have kids that hate to read, you know, compare him to a kid that hates a dog. And he's like, why would you put a pit bull next to him when you could give him a Pomeranian? And he said, you know, look at books the same way. Why are you pushing Shakespeare at them when you could give them a book in verse that's relevant, that's new, that deals with issues that they have, and that has all of this white space mm-hmm. that gives them room to breathe? And That just really stuck with me because I think, especially teaching ESL, I have a lot of kids that like even a book, a small book is is terrifying. They don't think they can do it. But those poetry books, they look at that and they're like, I can do this. Andy, I think part of the problem with that, though, is like, say, Ellen Hopkins, who writes her books in verse. Those books appear to be gigantic books and Mm -hmm. so it's hard to get kids to pick them up despite the fact that they're going to be an easier read because of the appearance of a gigantic novel that's why you got to open it (laughs) it's like my kids will look at it like you're crazy and then i go but look and then they go oh oh okay So the other thing I want to talk to you about, Andy, and you guys can kind of fill in as well. Mm-hmm. Andy reads more books. Oh my gosh, how many? Your goal this year? Because you had you hit a hundred last year. Yeah. And what's your goal this year? One forty-four. Is anybody That's close to that? Books a month. I'm at forty-seven. <laughs> for the Good year. Math skills. I know. So I'm, I'm in the twenties right now. Yeah. yeah. Um. But. And yeah, I think hard. that's it's super impressive. But I, when Ivy was talking about reading things to be able to recommend them to yeah, yeah. your students, I totally see you as that person as well. Because yeah. I hear you all the time say, this one's perfect. My kids are going to love this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think probably all of you read books with students in mind. Yes. Is that true? <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Absolutely. And so as you're reading something, I mean, I'm sure you're thinking of a particular student. Yeah. Um, I read Long Way Down 
mm-hmm. Jason Reynolds. And I thought, wow, this is definitely something that you guys could use for the ESL students. But also, it's like you said, it's it's speaking their language and it's talking to them in a way that authors have not really done before. Well, it's such a vast appeal, that book, too, because yeah. I think, you know, the kid that's real street and thinks, you know, that you aren't ever going to understand them, that book appeals to them. But then at the same time, it, it's a mystery because you don't know what's going to happen. So any kid that digs like a mystery, there you go. There you are at the same place. And and I just, I mean, you've got the hip hop culture in it. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that. It's so complex and it could appeal to so many different people. And I think that's why it's so popular. I really do. Yeah. I read that book out loud to mm-hmm. all of my sophomore classes last year. And, you know, some people think, oh, 10th graders, they're too old. You don't do read alouds. Yes. They, oh, they loved they it. They love a good read aloud. Um, and the days that we had other things to do, because I couldn't just sit and read a book aloud to them every day, they were very upset. Miss, why aren't we reading today? So, I mean... Please, if you're if you're teaching older kids, don't think that they won't enjoy a good read aloud. <laughs> yeah, we just finished. Um, Ivy gave me the Poet X, and I read it this summer, and I was like, "This is awesome!" And so we did that as a read aloud, and the kids absolutely loved it. They really liked that book. So, and then you guys let me borrow. Is it Milk and Honey? Mm-hmm. Is that the other one? Yeah, that was very good too. That's a controversial one though. Yeah, it's a beautiful. book. I'm sure it, it is. is a beautiful book. I think it has a lot of really good stuff to say too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those banned titles mm-hmm. yeah. currently. Um, Richard, uh, we're going to need to talk to you about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that one is that one in our library? I, I do not have it right no. now, but it's certainly not because I would not put something that was banned in the library. Uh, yeah, it's it's. See, I was sitting there with my blood boiling when you were talking about it being banned. I am so offended that we choose to have some books or not. Now, having said that, it is unrealistic to think that a librarian does not somewhat censor when you're picking books you just you do it a little bit without meaning to and there are some titles that uh, 50 shades of gray when i just when i just said i I hate that's actually you know what it's funny that's actually one that i did not put in the library because although i had kids ask for it i didn't know if it would be worth the trouble of defending it yeah not that the book is not fine to put in a kid's hands but i think we would have had challenges after challenge and oh, so i, I, I did not yeah. put it into the library yeah. uh, i think you're talking about young adult and its appeal right now is because they are pushing boundaries that you don't see other other genres pushing and i think that they're, they're doing a lot of things and that's why you have books like the hate you give yeah. coming up and people being really upset by it when i read it i have to admit and, and I mean, I'm in a high school. I hear fun language all day long. <laughs> I thought, wow, that, this is a lot of F word. This is a whole lot of F word. And yet I still put it into the library. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that that's what it's about, though. And I think we get to this really awful place where that's our focus is, is you know, oh, well, we can't have that as, as something that we have a bunch of kids reading or that we're pushing because, you know, if you stand... <laughs> If you stand anywhere where teenagers are passing you at any given moment, <laughs> you're going to hear that many F words. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like <laughs> We just had that conversation. Mm-hmm. I was teaching one of my sophomore <laughs> classes, and we were looking at the databases, and one of the articles that one of the kids pulled up had some bad words. And I said, okay, because they were saying, oh, there's bad words. And I was like, give me a break. I've heard 90 times worse than this in the commons right when you all walked in 
to the library. Yeah. This is this is not anything that y'all have not heard. Now, having said that, I think some parents might be shocked if they came and stood in oh, the commons I, I agree. with the language that their kids use. And that that's why we have these challenges, because parents don't really relate to the way kids are talking nowadays. There's such a disconnect. I mean, I, I think I see it teaching in high school, um, the, the disconnect, and I think we see it in society between where our youth is now and what they think and how they feel about things and how they speak and how the English language is changing because we forget that the language is living and it changes. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, I, I know from being around a lot of teenagers, I just don't think that they look at bad words the way that we do or the way that our parents did. Well, and, I, this, is a, this is a stretch, yeah, but they're texting those words to each other and they're reading them every day, all day. Yeah. We did not do that. No. We did not write them down on a piece of paper and hand it to our friend right. to look at. So I, I think you're right. I think that the context is different for them. It feels different for them. It, it doesn't shock them to read it the way it shocks us mm-hmm. um, into reading it. So I think you're right. I it's think we in put all of their music. We're putting way in, more stock into the F word than it probably deserves anymore. I don't think they have any real conscious awareness of what they're saying. I have one student in mind in my seventh period class that we celebrate days that she doesn't drop the F-bomb. Right. You know, it's like, oh, I'm so proud of you today. You didn't cuss in class. And they just go, oh, miss, you just jinxed it. Yeah. And, and she's not a bad kid. No. You know, she's not doing it disrespectfully to me. It's just part of her vocabulary, which grates on me because I very rarely cuss. I just, I don't like to stoop to the, that kind of language because that's the way I was raised. Yeah. And we have to learn to balance both sides of, okay, does, is it truly offensive? What are you using this for? Which comes back to making kids recognize the power of language. What's the author's intent? What do you accomplish by using that word that you couldn't have accomplished? It's or, almost like you know, nowadays, and it's, yeah. they can say way worse things without ever dropping oh, a cuss word into it. I, I really believe that. And I think that, I just think it's indicative of the difference between all of the generations right now, especially in society at large. Yeah. And and I think that those books, and I think, Ivy, you probably feel mm-hmm. the same way, that these young adult books that are pushing boundaries and stuff are showing you what they see as important and what they think needs to change in the world. And I think that's a really cool way to do it is through literature. Amy and I were just talking a, a few days ago about gratuitous uses of the F word. And there was a certain <laughs> podcast that that I tried to listen to, um, but I couldn't uh, about about murder. Um, oh. And I like things at true crime, but they just use it so just willy nilly. You know, it just didn't have meaning when you use it. Every other word, it loses its impact. And I think in a, in a lot of the young adult literature, the way they use it. It's not just to throw it in there to be like, oh, look at me, I can cuss in a book and I'm going to sell copies because of it. No, they, they use it and it has some meaning and it relates to the kids' language and how, how they perceive themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And yes, as a, as a radio person, it shocks me to hear it still. It really does, especially if I'm in my car and I hear on a podcast somebody saying it gratuitously because they are on that specific podcast and I just I don't like hearing it I really don't but I do think in most of the novels that I've read um, they're using it as a statement they're using it as a real punctuation as opposed to just throwing it out there like you said because they can
I would love to talk about Harry Potter, actually, because okay. I know these two are oh. huge fans. There will be no silly wand waving or incantations <laughs> in this classroom. So I know Andy and yeah. Ivy, you guys have read them repeatedly. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I, I think Andy tries to once a year. Yeah. And that and Lord of the Rings are usually my once a year go-tos. Do you have a favorite Harry Potter book? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. I think it's The Prisoner of Azkaban. That's that's my favorite, yeah. number three. I think that's when things really start getting dark. Goblet of Fire. Oh, I hate Goblet of Fire. I really like Goblet of Fire. That is a high five across the room to Richard, because that's also my favorite. <laughs> no, I think I like Half-Blood Prince. Oh, that's a good oh, one. That is a good I'd one. I'd say that's that my is, second. You get to see yeah. part of yeah. Snape that you don't see. Well, and they start to and figure they things start out. To put things like, together, so... <laughs> Good choices. I just love Sirius. I think it's that oh, whole that introduction to Sirius in, in yeah. number three. And it's like, oh, is he good? Is he bad? Oh, my gosh. What's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. My <laughs> other question is, you were talking about uh, George R.R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones. I thought she did a really good job of getting the books and the movies. They kind of started coinciding with the timing. Um, do you think that would have been weird if we would have gotten the last movie and then... Five or six years later, we would have gotten the last book. Yes. 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 I agree. She would have never uh, allowed that. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like the thought of that. It makes no. me really uncomfortable it, to it think does about me it. Too. Well, I think in that situation, that's very smart on her part because I do think you get everyone to buy the the books and then also mm-hmm. everyone to go watch the movie. Well, yeah. I think this reverse made as we talked about earlier. I don't think that that's the same. Yeah. yeah. There's an author, Rainbow Rowell, who you just read a book um, by her, oh, and she Rainbow she was on Twitter not too long ago, and she actually asked her fans, please stop writing fan fiction about my characters, because really, it's really hard for me because I'm not done with these characters, and there's so many different tangents, and some of you are picking up on storylines that I already had in mind, and now what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. Like, Whoa. how do I make my character do the things when when there's because there are a lot of fan fiction, which is interesting um, because about her f- other novel is called Fangirl. Which is essentially that. She is a fan fiction writer to right. this Simon Snow, which is a yeah. Harry Potter-esque type Definitely. character. Mm-hmm. And um, and she writes, I guess, gay fiction between the two male lead characters right. of right the books, correct? You're reading homoerotic Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's I mean, awesome. It's She's like trying to tell everybody is. that I'm reading that. But, you know, this goes back to what you said about when you read one book and you are ready for book number two. When I read that and I tell Ivy, you're right, I loved this. And she goes, there's one coming out. I was like, oh, I already pre-ordered it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I immediately Same. hit up Amazon. <laughs> Same. And I think for those of us that are missing Harry Potter and mm-hmm. you're like, you're that that hole will never mm. be filled, but this is a really good, like oh well, okay. Harry Potter's good clean fun. Yeah, this is this is that grown up is so much more yeah, what right. you think those kids would really say and do Agree. if they were at a magical school. Like yeah, well, and it deals with sexuality and it uh-huh. deals with adult themes and it. I mean, it's dealing with things that Harry Potter would never have done because yeah. he was squeaky clean. Yep, and so it is the the more. Probably yeah. what when, high school kids are actually when I told, talking about. Uh, <laughs> students about this book, Carry On. I would, I told them, imagine if Harry and Draco hooked up. Yeah, that's what it's about. And it's <laughs> that's great. what it's about. It's so great. <laughs> yeah, but it's really good, and I that think that messes it's, with my mind. <laughs> it's so I'm not good. Sure I can wrap that around now. <laughs> I was so sad when them. that book was yeah. over. <laughs> I just wanted more. 
I enjoyed it, though. I really did. And I did not think that it was going to be my kind of thing. I really didn't. And I really liked it. And I do like the fact that they're exploring sexuality. And yeah. and it's making it real. And in a way that Harry Potter, I kind of, well, I wouldn't be mad if she was like, well, actually. Yeah, well, right. JK, Harry she keeps giving us Draco. all She always talks about idiots. Dumbledore, right? Yeah. yeah. She always yeah. goes to Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What is the best book you've read this year so far? And Andy's got a lot. 47. No, 40, 47 already? 47. I just finished my 47th book. I recommended a really good book recently to Andy. I was worried that she wouldn't like it, and I tried to oh, downplay it. It's called Lake Effect. I, the author's name is escaping me right now. Uh, here. Uh, Tell me what it was called again. Lake Effect. It's it's a great story about a young man who's getting ready to go off to college, and so he decides to spend his summer being a uh, a live-in caretaker for an eighty-year-old woman, and they they for fun go to funerals. And it is it sounds like something that would not be any good at all, and I'm telling you, it is good. But it may not be the best thing I've read right now. I, I've got a couple books going, but one of them I've got an advanced copy of Scott Pelley's Truth Worth Telling, and it is. Uh, really good it is just story uh, stories about uh, interesting people doing really great things and i mean some of them you'll know it's like the heroes of 9-11 he was there and he witnessed that and part of the books about that it's just the kind of book that makes you feel good when you're reading it and i i can't recommend it enough it, it'll come out later this month and I, I hope it does well because it is it is great nonfiction. andy you should read it <laughs> i'm not gonna read it um aaron aaron mccahan oh. or mccahan i don't know how to say yes. it yeah that's who wrote the lake effect Really funny. Oh, my gosh. Like, giggle out loud kind of funny. I love those. Spectacular ending. I mean, it yes. is It's just, it is and a great book. the little old lady that he takes care of is hilarious. Like, you can just hear her voice in your head. Like, she, oh, that's a good book. Karen, do you have a pick? I'm trying to think. Um, I read News of the World, and I really enjoyed that. I can't think of who wrote that. It's an interesting historical fiction. Um, it's back at shortly after the Civil War, and a man makes his living traveling across the countryside reading newspapers because people don't always have opportunities and so that's what he does and he gets into a predicament because he has to take a young girl who's been kidnapped by Indians back to her family in South Texas and so it intrigued me because it was set in Texas because it is the historical fiction um, so that one was really an intriguing interesting short little read I'm currently in the middle of Red Mountain um, and it's a contemporary set novel in California with four main characters whose lives are all intertwined and who all have some kind of secret. And so that's that's kind of the appeal of it. Okay, so what's, you know, the one old gentleman goes out and howls at the moon at, you know, at night <laughs> naked. And, and he's like 80 years old. And who it's who like, oh, okay, why not? You know, if you're 80, go for it, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, that, those are the two that um, I've most recently read that, that come to mind that I'm enjoying. And I haven't finished Red Mountain yet, so. Ivy, what about you? Well, Last, what was it, November, we went to the, the National Convention of Teachers of English, Andy and I did, yeah. and we were just inundated with all these wonderful young adult <laughs> authors and got to meet them and have conversations and get signed books, and I met my daughter's 
all-time favorite author. He's only written three books. It's David Arnold. And I had read his first book, or his latest book, um, The Strange Fascinations of Noah Hypnotic, but I hadn't read his earlier works. So I decided after we had met him that I, I wanted to read his other two books, and Mosquito Land was my, oh. my favorite. Oh, I loved that book. Brilliant. Um, it's about a, a young girl who... Um, who has moved across country with her father and new stepmom and has lost contact with her mother and she doesn't know why. So she decides to run away, get on a Greyhound bus and go across country. And it's just her journey of, of kind of self-discovery, meeting new people, the adventure of getting there and then finding out the truth of what's happened to her mom. I'm having a really hard time. I'm looking through my Goodreads list. Three, know, three books, five too. books, I don't know. Um, what do you got? What 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 is well, really okay, appealed so to you? So I read one, and it's not new. It came out in like '77, which is the year I was born. But it's by Anne Rivers Siddons, and it's called The House Next Door. And it's the only horror book she ever wrote, and it is brilliant. It's it's in the South. She does this great job of like capturing what it's like, like you know, in the in the deep South, you know, with all of the moss and all of that. And well, these. This rich couple builds a house in this little area that none of those people really want them to build a house, and they're all high society. And then, and then this malevolent spirit ends up in that house, and it's it's really beautiful. Like the the language in it is gorgeous. And and I sit here and I gripe about adult books, but man, in '77 they were good. And this <laughs> is a great book. And they made a movie out of it. And I'm like, I want to watch this movie. But it's the Lifetime movie. And it gets like one. Oh, it's like no. a 20 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so you <laughs> don't, don't want to do that. Right? <laughs> but I think I, I do want to also say, like, because um, I do read graphic novels a lot. Hey, kiddo, I just yes. read the other day. And it blew me away. It is a brilliant piece of literature. Like, I think the people who sit here and criticize graphic novels as not being deep and complex and rich man, you better back up and read that one because it's it's this story about a kid who doesn't know his father. Um, his mom has been in and out of rehab and, and jail um, with addiction, and then he's being raised by his grandparents, the mom's parents, but they have all kinds of problems right. too. And, well, and it's, it's his memoir. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it this is, is his life story. It is brilliant. Beautiful book. And we, yeah, we were talking about that, how it, it just – it doesn't have a happy ending. It's just no. like, okay, this this is my life. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> brilliant. And I think super relevant for a lot of kids mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. that just don't live in, you know, those families that we wish we all grew up in. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I can't help myself. I, I And this is not a new book. I just recently read A Man Called Uwe. And Uwe is one of the best books I have ever read. I was uh, having a conversation with our former principal, and he just offhandedly said, and of course you've read Uwe. And I said, no, Dr. Plume, I haven't. And he said, you must read it now. And it is about this cantankerous old man. It starts with him trying to kill himself because he's lost everything. And the story is what happens from there. And it is... It is a spectacular book. I wished I had never read it so I could go back and experience it <laughs> oh, again wow. for the first time. It is amazing. And I've been sitting here trying to rack my brains for what I should talk about. That's the one. That That is <laughs> the one book. everyone yeah. needs to read, Uwe. I've heard that there, it won an Academy Award a couple of years ago, a, uh, like a Swedish yeah. film. But I haven't seen it because I don't want to run it. I, well, I love of, the book. One of our best, one of our joint best friends. Yes. That's one of his favorite books, too. Yes. 
I feel that way about Carry On. I wish I hadn't read it yet so I could read it again. Right? <laughs> Everybody at the table, last question. Okay. Favorite book of all time. Oh. Can you do it? Oh, no. 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 I know Andy's. It's no. Flowers in the Attic. No. I'm kidding. But I I'm do totally like it. Did, it did resonate at a good time, though. <laughs> I <Incest>. have. <laughs> <laughs> There's that word again. <laughs> We've circled back to it. It's a meme. No. I, I think I might be no. able to answer that, although there are a handful that uh, rotate, and I would say, oh, this is in my top three. The Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett oh, is so a spectacular good. book, and it's one that just it just never leaves me. It, it is one that I, I look back, and each time I think about it, I say, it's really good, and the sequels were okay, but mm-hmm. nothing like Pillars. It, it is fabulous. There are many people that think it may be the best fiction novel ever written. I, that's pretty high praise but it, it may be my favorite uh, mine is it, this is going to be really surprising because it doesn't seem like it but the bell jar by sylvia plath is my favorite book of all time and i think when i talk about my favorite book of all time it's because it hit me at the right time you know being a teenager and having depression and not realizing that that was what was wrong with me and nobody talking to me about it and and really feeling helpless and lost and then i found that book in the library and i read it and it was like, oh my gosh, this is somebody who has a lot of the same feelings that I do and almost hurt me in my soul when she tried to kill herself and and made me realize that, you know, I, I probably do have some things to live for. And, and so it was just the right book at the right time. It may not be the best book, but it's still to this day my favorite book because of that. I feel really bad about the flowers in the attic joke. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I, no, we, we talked about flowers in the attic, though. I, I have a place in my heart for flowers in the attic, I don't know why too. people like that book. Oh. Because I wasn't supposed to read it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it counts as my favorite, but this book, um, it's kind of the same thing. It was just the first book that I ever remember reading that was grown up. Because I, I just read mm-hmm. Little House on the Prairie and Ramona books when I was young. And so this book um, made me feel like I was becoming an adult and it's Watership Down. Oh, Watership um, Down. And that, that book just kind of made me realize that I am going to be a reader forever because I can do this when I think I was like 11 or 12 when I read that book. And, and I got it. I mean, as much as a 12-year-old could get it, but I could read it. <laughs> Richard, Richard disagrees with Watership Down. <laughs> there have been a couple of books that I have just routine, I mean, repeatedly started and put down because, I mean, you're just expected to read it. Watership Down was one of those. Uh, about the same time I was trying to read The Stand by Stephen King, which would qualify right up there with Pillars of the Earth as maybe number one. Uh, Another high five. I was going to say, here. nobody has talked about I, Stephen I King. Can't I can't believe it. Yeah. I, I kept putting both of those books down, and I never got into Watership Down, whereas The Stand... Oh, M-O-O-N. It is mm-hmm. great. And, of course, you'd have to know the stand to, to understand Agreed. the M-O-O-N. I like Absolutely. The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon is my favorite Stephen King book. That's a good one. The Stand was the first Stephen King book I ever read. I didn't think I would like horror. I didn't think mm-hmm. I would enjoy that. Same. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, no, why would I want to read mm-hmm. that? And then I read it and went, oh, my God, this is really good. And then several years later, some of my kids were asking me, what's your favorite book? You know, as kids will do. 
And they said, haven't you read the Dark Tower series? And I said, no, I haven't. And the sweetest thing, they went together and they went on Amazon and bought them all used, but gave them to me for Christmas. And so I read that whole series that year and was just enamored with his writing. It's so rich Mm -hmm. and so full. And you like Dark Tower. I loved Dark Tower. I abandoned Dark Tower last year. (laughs) Now, I knew what was going to happen. I knew. Oh, no. Richard's face is saying everything. Andy. I'm sorry. I, I thought like we it. were friends. <laughs> I didn't like friends it. Friends no I more. I tried and I made myself. I went all the way to page 60 uh, and then I just went, I'm not digging it. All the way to page okay. 60. Um, Hold on. Now I can answer that. Page 60 <laughs> of the first book. And, and if, if that's if what you're If you would have got to 61, Andy, you would have well, made it. No. <laughs> no, here's what I will say about that series. You can tell. If, if you're talking about the first book, you can tell. Stephen King, that was one of the first books he read. And I think you can tell that first book is not as polished or no. nearly as great as the others. And if you can get past the first book, oh, then so you're hard. going to fall into the series. It is. Yeah. I, I'm going to break Karen's heart when I say I did the same thing with Outlander. I read about halfway through the first book. And I jumped ship. Couldn't I'll, do it. I understand that, though. And like I said, yeah. knowing the backstory, knowing that this yeah. was her attempt at, let me see if I can write a novel. Yeah. You know, I think as an author, she grew tremendously. Yeah. And I've heard and that. And I think most and authors says, oh, the first book do. is the worst. You know, and so. then you're like, oh, but I have to read the whole thing to get to <laughs> the I next mean, one. in my defense, I've read a lot of Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. I love Green Mile. I love The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. I liked Pet Cemetery. I'm just... The Dark Tower didn't do it. I mean, I I like it. Salem's Lot was my first one. Um, it, yes, that's I one love, of those top three of mine. I mean, they're they're just wonderful. They're all I Stephen also King. no, thank you. Clowns are creepy. I also love Joe Hill. I'm a big Joe Hill fan. Horns. No, no, no. See, what I think is it's not that it's just the clowns. You touched on this a little bit. It's his character development. Yeah. I guarantee you, I know every one of those seven kids in it. I, I can relate to every single one. Mm-hmm. And when anything happens to them, I hurt inside because I love them so much. And the same thing with The Stand, where you can relate to Stu Redman or Tom Cullen or, or Nick. Uh, you know those people right. because he is so good at character development. That it doesn't matter if there's a stupid spider that can turn itself into whatever scares you the most. It's the rest of the story that is worthwhile. Okay, I'm probably going to make both of y'all mad with this comment right here. But oh, no. I equate Stephen King <laughs> oh, no. and Charles Dickens in the same. And I just want to say, just get on with it. Please stop. I can agree Explaining. with you on Charles Dickens, except for A Tale of Two Cities. I loved A Tale of Two Cities. Anything oh, else? I hate A Tale of Two Cities. Oh, no, I love A Tale It's of my two favorite. Cities. I, it's wonderful. I'm in the no Dickens land. Like I'm not a fan. Either. Not at but all. But I, I no. love Stephen King. And it is. It is a chore sometimes because it's a lot of it's a lot of backstory. Yes. It's a commitment. But the payoff is so worth it to I know me in the end. Last question was so long ago. But here's, <laughs> here's what I, I warned you about having all four I know, of that's us right. here. Here's the thing about Stephen King. I feel like there was a part where he was he was awesome, and then he kind of got in this every year I'm putting out something, and it was kind of crappy. And when he retired, 
and he was no longer on that I must put everything out once a year. I think his writing has gotten better. 112263 is Wonderful. one of the better books you will read. So it is good. spectacular. It ranks right up there in the best he's ever written and Agreed. it came after he retired. That, retired. That's saying yeah. something too cuz Patricia Cornwell did that too. I used to love Patricia Cornwell and I would read those books religiously and then all of a sudden I can't even remember the name of the one that came out. It was awful. It was absolutely mm-hmm. awful. And I think it's because she was putting them out so quickly that I think she just mm-hmm. lost it. Yeah. Like, it and I think, and I, I agree, I have forced people to read 112263 because so it's good. so good. And that, for being 800 pages or however many it is, I that's one of the fastest books I've ever read in my life. Interesting, and you may already know this. The original, um, the ending of eleven twenty two sixty three is not the the ending that Stephen King wrote. His son read it and said, "You can't end it this way," and so that he rewrote it. Wow! And the ending that is in there now is it, it's spectacular. It is. It, it really yeah. is amazingly. There good. were there were. I love when a when a book will make you, as you're reading it, audibly go. <gasps> Yeah, and there are those moments in that book where I literally gasped when my husband went, "What? <laughs> oh, this book just got crazy. This one page turn, you know." And I yeah. love when that happens, and that happened several times in that book. Did you have to flip the page back and go, "Oh, wait, wait, wait! Oh, I yeah. couldn't possibly have read that right." Yes, I love that. Yes, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Or you go back like three pages, you like go wait, three page, wait, wait, I gotta, wait, wait, I got to, yeah. One of the rare books that when they did the miniseries, I, I can't forget which, I mean, I can't remember, excuse me, which station did it, it Stars or something? It was Hulu. 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 Mm-hmm. Or the Netflix. series is Hulu? pretty mm-hmm. well done in and oh, of itself. It's not as good as really the book, good. but the series was mm-hmm. awfully good. I mean, they, yeah. they nailed it. Final words? Should I even do that? <laughs> I don't even know. What would you want me to say? Like, I don't know. Read. Read. Change the world. Read. Read. I mean, that's, what, that's why we are doing this podcast. I want people to understand that we are promoting reading. Since we have started doing this, her and I both are reading so much more than we were before. And that's what we want our listeners well, to do. Ivy, what was the statistic that they gave us about how many adults have not read a book in the last year? It's it was, scary. I've seen that statistic. It is ridiculous. I don't remember what it is. I think it it's was like 80 something percent of adults in the U.S. have not read a book in the last year. And I think part of our problem as a society is that if you are not reading, you are not being exposed to other places, to other people, to situations that are not your own. And it makes you a totally less empathetic human being. That's why you need to visit your library every Agree. single week. And that's why parents need to read to their kids when they're young so that they see that being modeled so that they say, oh, this is what you do. You grow up and you read. I I do remember seeing a statistic recently that kids who are read to by their parents, there's a million word gap between those kids and kids whose parents don't read to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you I mean, can't overcome a million word gap, so it, it's that important. Yeah. If kids read just 20 minutes a day over the course of a, um, one school year, they're exposed to over 2 million more words than a child who reads maybe one or two minutes a day. And it's directly correlated with test results. And I know we all hate having to you know, think about standardized tests, but, but it's just plain truth. Like If you're not reading, you're not going to do well on tests. 
But I think it's more than just the words. It's, it's like I said, I think it exposes you to situations that you may never be in, like um, long walk to water. I'm never, I may never go to Sudan. That may never happen for me. I have kids from Sudan. They can tell me about it, but I will never firsthand probably experience that. But I can read that book and I can understand that their lifestyle is so much different than what I comprehend. And I can feel for this kid that was a lost boy that had to walk all of these thousands of miles to safety. And I can understand that I need to be caring towards these people in our society because I mean and and it's not just that it's I can read carry on and I can care about you know LGBT people and and I just think that's what has to happen I can read Jason Reynolds and Mm -hmm. I can care about a minority kid growing up on the street that watches his brother get killed like if we're not reading as a society we are not learning to care about things that may not happen in our own lives very well put I think with that, that will be the end of our podcast. Thank you all so much. I'm so glad that you came to our trivia night. Congrats again. <laughs> you did so great that night. We'll and be back next year. That's what I was going to say. Do we get to defend our title? I was like, going to say, I, we were talking about it earlier. I think uh, we need to do trivia round two. Oh, boy. And uh, for Check Me Out. So if we do, you got to come and defend your title. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM90 studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. Special thanks to Scotty Vanderford, Colin Lutz, and Stevie Brashears who designed our really cool logo. Also a huge thanks to the Mag7 for providing all of our music. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.